Take your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 1. I don't, I don't know about you, but I enjoy, when I'm reading through the New Testament, uh, I mean, obviously, you get into some books like Romans, and it's like, wow, this, this is, boy, the challenge here is amazing. But when you get to these four letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, I just love them. You know, I, I just do. You know, sandwiched in between the two letters uh, to Corinth and the two to Thessalonica. Uh, but Colossians has gotten to be one that is precious to me. Now, I love, I mean, it goes without saying, Ephesians. And all four of them, actually. I, I, it's, it's hard to lift one above another. But there's a reason why. Uh, I catch the, uh, the letter to the Colossians, and I'll show you why. Let's go ahead, first of all, we're going to read just the first 11 verses. That's how, where we're going to be going to this morning, and I hope, this evening, excuse me, and I hope and pray that we get much out of it. But Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringing forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding." that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering, with joyfulness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that your word would be open to us. May your spirit guide us as we seek to glean from this passage. I pray in Christ's name, amen. One of the books that I'm reading right now is a book that is written by H.A. Ironside. Uh, Dr. Ironside talks about that early on when he was saved, he, he wound up getting wrapped up in a group of people. It's not important. I'm not going to tell you who they are. But he wound up getting wrapped up in people that taught that you needed a definite second work of grace after you were saved 
that would, after that, free you from all sin. By this, he meant, or they meant, that you're now, uh, you're now able to live your life without ever sinning. You don't deal with it. You can be tempted, but you don't sin. Now, maybe there are some of you that have fallen into that, or you, you've read about it, or maybe you knew somebody that was like that. I remember hearing the, uh, the story of uh, Spurgeon, who was at a conference, and a gentleman, he was going to be preaching the next morning, and a gentleman that night, the night before, preached a passage and declared that once you go through this, you don't sin anymore. That didn't sit well with Dr. Spurgeon. He rewrote his message, spent, sat up the whole night rewriting it. When they got to breakfast the next morning, Spurgeon took an entire jar, pitcher of milk, walked up to the gentleman and poured the whole thing on him. And he went on to say the gentleman went on to uh, disprove everything that he had preached the night before. The thing that Ironside said was that the, the, the sad situation was that these people were so passionate about this. And yet on and on, there were those that dropped out, burned out, got upset, whatever. They got discouraged to the extreme because no matter what they did, they couldn't get this. They, they couldn't get the the feeling, uh, and then if they got the feeling, they wound up falling to the point that this organization actually had places where people could go to rest in order to recoup and give it another shot. And, and he, was, he was astounded at uh, how many people became cynical. I mean, he wound up going to one of these places. They got cynical, they got discouraged, and so many of them just walked away. That was it. He was in this place, and his mother sent him something months before. These, these two or three ladies came to him and said, we want you to do a Bible study with us because we think you have the answer, and he didn't. But he thought about this, he thought about this thing that his mother had sent him, and he started reading it to them, and they're all going, wait a minute. This, this is amazing. Basically, it was the answer to this all. You find the same thing in the charismatic movement, where there are people that are taught that if, if you're saved, you're going to speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. We had a gentleman here way back early on in the church uh, who lived in another state when this happened. They, they were going to a church that taught that, and his wife never could do it. And, and she got so discouraged, she jumped off her bridge, killed herself, because she never could. You never could speak in tongues. 
Now, I'm not here to start going after the charismatic movement right now or this other movement or whatever. The reason why I bring this up is that it's interesting in catching the historical perspective of some of these letters and then the language that is used itself in the letters of Paul, as well as James and Peter, on what they were battling at the moment. Now, for instance, Colossae was not that big of a town. In fact, it was about 100 miles east of Ephesus. There were others. Hierapolis was nearby. I, I forget the name of the other town that was, was there. But it was on a path. There would be armies that would march through and stuff. And it did have a glory time. But it had already, by the time Paul writes this letter, it was already on the decline. In fact, just a few years after this letter was written, there was a major earthquake in Colossae, and that was it. I mean, it, was, it, it did so much damage to the town. So the glory days are gone. To mankind, to the Roman Empire, there wasn't much stock in a city, a town like this, except a church had been started. And there was a young man by the name of Epaphras that was pastoring the church. He loved these people. He was passionate for them, but he was having a problem. Somebody known as the Gnostics had come in and they were trying to basically destroy the faith that these people had been taught by Epaphras, he went to Paul. He told Paul about these people. He told them about their love for the saints. He told them about their graciousness, you know, and, and, and when they had originally embraced Christ. But then it's apparent that he shared with Paul what had gone on? Now, this is the nightmare of any pastor. If there are elements that wind up coming into the church and they start to subvert, it's, it's, not, so, it's not so much a move against the pastor, it's a move against Christ. Now, sometimes people like this, they wind up you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do damage to the leadership. They'll do damage. And when I say leadership, I don't mean just the pastor. But for whatever reason, this is what they do. I have, rel I have relatives right now that, uh, well, one exactly, that's wrapped up in a situation kind of like this, where, you know, they're basically being told, we're special, you're not you need to believe this and this and this, and you can be part of the chosen. There's a Greek word for that. Hogwash. Garbage. All that. But this is, this is what can take place. I remember uh, 
Dr. Comfort, or maybe it was Tim that told me, but also I, I spoke with Dr. Comfort there at the Bible College where Antonio is right now. There was, uh, there was one particular... <clears throat> there was one particular professor that they had hired uh, that began getting some, some, some real following in some of the students. And he was teaching things in his classes that Dr. Comfort did not know about and other people did not know about. But it started getting to be apparent when this would take place. There would be somebody that would come in and in chapel, they would hit this particular heresy or whatever. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. And the students would look at this professor. And he would close his notebook and his Bible. When they saw that, the students would do the same. They recognized what was going on. They let this man go. And I believe they lost something like 30 to 40 students over this. If Satan can't get us in our weaknesses, he'll get us in our strengths. But what happens is that there is so-called truth that winds up being introduced into areas where portions of Scripture have been taken out of context. They've been twisted, distorted, or whatever. Man gets lifted up, and next thing you know, you have a situation where the body of Christ in that particular area is starting to crumble. Now, I'm not going to go into, I'm not going to go into everything that, that is said about the Gnostics. It, it, it comes from a Greek word, gnosis. You've heard this gnosis, which means to know if you talk about an agnostic, he's one who does not know. But they had, and, and, and again, they, they had a reputation all through the church at the very beginning, people that started believing all this, they were in the know. They knew the deep things of God. They saw themselves, in how we would call it right now, as a spiritual aristocracy of the church. We're smarter than you are. We have the full knowledge. Now, the fact is, we all need the knowledge of God. Amen? I mean, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, let's know him. Know him. But let's not twist it. This wisdom, quote unquote, would release them from earthly things. In other words, we have something that if you believe with us, it will carry you to a higher level and you too will be able to look down at your fellow Christians. It's just like other movements that wind up. I mean, you, you, th you think about this. There are people, they'll look down at you. What do you mean you don't worship on Saturday? You know, what do you mean you don't believe in thus and so? that can wind up happening. So let's be wise, number one. But number two, let's also recognize this. This is why Paul wrote how he did in this letter. Now, 
If you men were here, when I preached, in fact, if you remember a couple of three months ago when I preached the message, I preached it again at the men's meeting, but this, this, um, this situation with, um, all of a sudden I'm forgetting his name, Demas. If you read, if you read the book of Colossians, it's astounding. Like I said, it's astounding what Paul says in this letter, and still with everything that Paul shared, Demas left anyway. And that's, that, that's amazing. The particulars that we didn't get into are just as good as well. I want us to start out. I love, there's an identification that Paul works on that we need to catch. Look back again, if you would, please, at verse 1. Now, Paul has not met these people, but they know Epaphras. So Paul, in writing this letter, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. So he's identifying himself. He wasn't just Paul the tent maker. He wasn't just Paul the friend of Epaphras. He was Paul the bond slave of Christ, the apostle of Christ, and Timotheus, our Timotheus, our brother. And then he makes sure they understand that because of the salvation that they embraced early on, that he sees, especially because of what Epaphras has shared with them, what they are or who they are. Look at verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren. He's heard these things, and he commends them for their work. For the, and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. And then he gives his familiar uh, introductory phrase, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, he goes from an identification to a petition. We give thanks to God. That's what we're praying for you. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. These people are learning that they're precious to Paul. He recognizes who they are. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, there's a reason why he keeps reiterating the basics. He does it from the start. It all comes down, not to a special knowledge, but the basic knowledge of Christ as Savior. He's letting us know, by the way, that really when it comes to people that we meet, that what we share, the thing that is most precious is what did you do with Christ? Not did you vote Republican, but what you did with Christ. Not how you stand on the issues, but how you stand on the Savior. That is what is important. George Whitfield, I love this. I'm sure maybe some of you have heard this before. People, we, we've got to recognize how we believe and why we believe and who we believe in. George Whitfield, 
an evangelist from centuries ago was talking to a man and wanting to lead into salvation. He finds out that the man goes to a church and he says, what do you believe? He says, I believe what my church believes. You know where this is going. What does your church believe? What I believe. now, Now, wait a minute. What do you and your church believe? Oh, we both believe the same thing. It happens. It absolutely happens. Listen, faith is not just a list of things to checkmark. It's not. Faith is total trust in the person of Jesus Christ. When when missionary John Payton was, was translating the Bible for those that he was seeking to reach, He searched for the exact word in their language what believe would be. They didn't have one. He's seeking to learn their language. He's listening to them over and over and over. And then he discovered it. It was a word that to these natives, it meant this. Lean your whole weight on. And he said, that's it. When it comes to our eternal destiny, we lean our whole weight on Jesus Christ. We lean our whole weight on him for tomorrow. That's where we put our weight. It's not Christ plus how I can finagle. It's not Christ or how I can work things through It's not me plus Jesus. I'm the bond slave. You're the bond slave. Are you listening? I'm telling you, in in reflecting on what what I preached this morning, let us not get, let's not be surprised if we wind up finding ourselves brought to this that maybe, just maybe, what I thought was great faith in my heart was nominal faith. That I am going to be brought, we are going to be brought to absolute dependence on Christ. The the vestiges of our fleshly holding on to whatever we can of keeping control of something, it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. I believe that's going to happen. That's just a, you know, for whatever. Any religious teaching, any that dethrones Jesus Christ in any way or makes salvation other than than an experience of God's grace through faith is either confused or antichrist. That's why it's not faith plus baptism. It's not faith plus works. It's not faith plus church membership. It's not faith plus anything. Holy by faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And then there are things that work out. It's like Ironside they discovered that it's, it's not them 
seeking to, you know, when, when, it, when it comes to sinlessness, it's not them then taking the, the, the faith that they have and working, up, working out their own salvation in this respect that I've got to make sure that, you know, I have sought the second blessing and I'm not going to have any more sinful tendencies. How many of you have eradicated your sinful tendency? How many of you have found recently that your sinful tendencies are still there? Just put me in my car and Mr. Walker becomes Mr. Wheeler. And I feel sorry for my wife sometimes, but that, you know. But, but here, here's, again, here's the point. Epaphras told Paul, Paul understands. And even though this is not that significant of a church, as far as maybe what many people would think, to him, they were as precious as anybody else. They needed to hear what he wrote in this letter. And oh, by the way, so did we. So did we. So he writes, hey, the, the grace that you have and the, the love that you have to all the saints. So now he goes to his encouragement. Look at verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before. Now that word before is key. He put it there, meaning before the false teachers came along. This goes, I'm taking you back to your initial salvation. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, that hope was there. It's there. I, Paul, am speaking. You don't need a second blessing. You don't need to be in a special group. You've got, if you've trusted Christ, you have it wherein you heard before in the word of, of the truth of the gospel. Now look at verse 6 which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit. It's doing the work. The Spirit is there, bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you. Now, we love the subject of the fruit that comes out of our life because of the work of the Holy Spirit. There is no Holy Spirit 2.0. There is no Christian life 2.0 or Christian life XL. It's what was begun in our life through Christ, the Holy Spirit coming, and the growth simply begins. There it is. Verse 7, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Paul lets them know, listen, this man knows what he's talking about. I know what he's teaching. You need to hear it. Now, the tough thing is, there, how many of you have recognized that there is, there is a tendency in all of us? Now, come on. There's a tendency in all of us. We get to a certain point, and there's something inside of us that says, I've learned enough. Everything else is fun to go to church and hear the preacher preach, but I have all that I need. 
Now, you don't need to confess to it. You've got the same makeup that I do. We get there. We read our Bibles. I've read this before. We hear a preacher preach. I've heard this before. We don't realize that there's more. I'm not talking about, again, a, a, a select knowledge that is only for a few. I don't mean that. But there is growth that goes on. How many of you recognize this? You know this, or you know somebody else that's gone through this. You take a passage, you're reading your Bible, and suddenly that passage that you read is no longer this deep, it's this deep. You see even more what God is trying to show you. I'm telling you that is priceless, it's important. It's important. Now, if you don't see that, you're not part of our group anymore. I'm just, just kidding. Now, if you don't see that, look for it. Like I, like I stressed this morning, know him, trust him. Let's take it a little bit more. Take yourself this week and step out a little bit more. Trust him more. Seek him more. Pray more. Go after him more. That's what we're talking about. And here, Paul is seeking not to put the focus on a select group of people that are lifting themselves up. He is lifting Christ up. That's what he's doing in this gracious encouragement. You see the word learned there? As ye, excuse me, learned in verse 7. As ye also learned that comes, it's related to the word disciple. Epaphras did not simply lead the Colossians to Christ and then abandon them. He taught them the word and sought to establish their faith. That's what's going on right now. I desire that you understand this. Now, I'm telling you, folks, you've got to hear me out on this. Something has changed in the world. There is, I believe with all my heart, we are, we are dealing with a, a greater movement of the wicked one to stifle people down, to deaden their senses. And so we are here. You know, preacher, aren't you just glad that I'm here? I am glad that you're here. We love you. I so praise God that you're here. But if the Holy Spirit is not being allowed to work in your heart, you're in a world of hurt. And I'm here to tell you that's true. This is something that is so very important to me. Epaphras desired they know the faith. There are those that have trusted Christ, but as far as what takes place in the local church, they don't think they need it anymore or at all. I've got my own Christian, I've, I've got my own uh, uh, worship, right? And, and, and I've met with people like that, and I, I hurt for them. 
you know, what they need, they're going to get off the internet. That don't cut it. I like the, I like the thing that's being bantered about on Facebook right now when, when it comes to coming to church. They say, listen, you know, watching church on the internet is kind of like trying to warm yourself to a fire that's on the computer screen. You're not there. You're not, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna sense it. Ah, you're just trying to manipulate. No, I'm not, because I have learned, I have just learned this year to a greater degree the importance of the local church. This is where the battle takes place. If Satan can get you, if he can keep you away from the local church, he's won half the battle. He's won half of it. The word disciple is found more than 260 times in the Gospels and the book of Acts. And the verb that is translated to learn as a disciple is found 25 times. In that day, a disciple was not simply a person who sat and listened to somebody, a teacher. He was somebody who lived with the teacher, who learned by listening, looking, and living. This is why the fellowship is so important. Discipleship meant total surrender to the teacher. But now wait a minute. This is what he's talking about. Remember what Paul said, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. That's what that means. Paul is saying this, listen, this is what I'm doing. You do the same. I learned this of Christ. I'm doing this. Now, now, now you do the same. Now that brings a humility to the pastor, the teacher, whatever, because we know that we still are growing ourselves. But we are growing. Our desire is to grow. That's for all of us, because I'm telling you, there's going to be people that will ask you a pointed question or challenge you and your faith that are not going, to, you know, the, the whole church isn't going to be there at that time. It's going to be just you. This is taking place. The world doesn't understand why we're against abortion. The world doesn't understand why we will not be okay with any marriage other than a biblical marriage between a man and a woman. They don't understand that. They don't understand why we are not for transgenderism or taking a knife to a child to change it to its perceived gender. Meanwhile, the world is mocking God's people. And we need to be ready to give an answer. It goes beyond just arguing evolution now, doesn't it? That's all, that, that, that ship has sailed. There's so much more. There's so much more. Look at verse 8. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit, speaking of Epaphras, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, for this cause means on this account, because of this, the good report that we got of you, for this cause, 
we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to give petition for your situation, and to desire, that word desire is a specific word for prayer, which signifies to ask for something to be given, not done, giving prominence to the thing asked for rather than the person. Lord, we're we're not just asking for general prayer for the person. Lord, this is something that this person needs. Would you please do it for them? Why? That she might be filled with the knowledge of his will. That word knowledge is the Greek word epigenosis. It's a word that it's advanced over gnosis in that it denotes a larger and more thorough knowledge. What Paul is doing, he's going to start using words that the Gnostics used. But he's going to show the people of Colossae, this is where all this plugs in. This is what you believe. The Gnostics had what they thought of as a superior knowledge. Paul is saying, that's what we have in Christ. You can't show us anything. Paul prays that they not only might have it, but they might be filled with it. He's not holding anything back on them. I want you filled with the knowledge of his will. I want you filled with him. Look at the phrase later on that at the very end of verse 9. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Again, Paul uses two words, two Greek words that the Gnostics were using. Number one, Sophia, wisdom, and then synesis, understanding. According to expositors, if you go into that, it shows you this. The word Sophia is general when it comes to wisdom, but synesis or synesis is special. Sophia embraces, again, expositors, embraces the whole range of mental facilities, faculties, excuse me. But the other is the special faculty of intelligence or insight which discriminates between the false and the true. Paul is using their words and he is showing the people at Colossae, you already had it. You can have this. It's not what they're bragging on. It's what you have in Christ. You know, there's a book by John Adams that that came out, Competent to Counsel. And if you boil the fat out of it, it comes down to this. A Christian that has learned the word of God and has the Holy Spirit can counsel somebody and give them exactly what they need because the knowledge of what they need is found in God's word. That's why the RU program is important. I was at a meeting this last week, by the way, with uh, Sue Frost this last Thursday night over at the, uh, the Antelope Library. It's interesting, the organizations that are trying to deal with issues that we have in this area, but one of them is uh, drugs, substance abuse, etc. 
And while I was hearing, Brad, as I was hearing what they were talking about, honestly, my heart hurt for them because I thought, my soul, we've got it right here. Now, there are other people that are trying to reach them with you know, so-called Bible-based programs. I hope they make it. I, I, I hope they're using the Word of God as they ought. But we know we've reached people. The promise is there. The truth is there. Paul is telling them, in Christ, you have all the quote-unquote special knowledge you need. Are you listening? You don't need the Bible plus, who's that guy? Freud? Freud? Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't need that. The Bible is sufficient for all matters of faith and practice, but then also to get you out of what has grabbed you. When I was going through everything that I was going through, it was the Word of God and the Word of God alone that showed me the path. You've been there? Whatever, whatever it might be, this is why, and again, especially when we remember that Demas took off from this. It's so sad because of what Paul said here. Verse 10, look at it, please. That she might walk worthy, order your behavior worth the, uh, in, in a worthy manner. The saints are to see to it that their matter of life, their conduct weighs as much as the character of their Lord, that she might walk worthy unto all pleasing, right conduct with a view to pleasing, so as to please God, being fruitful in every good work and increasing, continuing to grow. I love talking to Larry this last week. He was so excited about what took place at the two-minute warning. And he's telling me some of the things that he's learning. I tell you what, you talk to a guy like that that is so excited about Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, that'll make you want to do this for a living. Right there, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is the fruit bearing he was talking about. It's not a knowledge of God, but it's the knowledge in God. It's the knowledge of God that comes by the work of the Spirit to the point that we are, look at verse 11, strengthened with all might, the ability, the power to do what we're called to do according to his glorious power. It ain't in us. It ain't. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. You know, Vivian, I bet it was rough. You know, there you're, it's Tuesday and the, and the count is going, coming in and you know, Jennifer Ruth is so hopeful and she's worked so hard. And then it doesn't come through. And I was wondering how she would respond. I'm not saying that she would fail. I don't mean that. But she came back like a firecracker. Said, hey, this is just the beginning. And she quoted Reagan. <laughs> if you're going to quote somebody in politics, quote Reagan. 
You know what Paul is saying here? You know, you're going down a path. And sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard. It goes long. And you desire to have grown to a certain spot. And then you trip or you get discouraged, but you continue with joyfulness. God ain't done with me yet. That's what he's trying to tell the brothers and sisters in Colossae. And I love this beginning. We're just getting started. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this letter to a group of people that maybe some would not have thought much of, but by your spirit, Paul did. And he loved these people as dear as he did the people in Ephesus and the people in Rome. And in encouraging them, he has encouraged us and we're just getting started. Lord, I pray that we would be an encouragement to each other. Help us to remember that it's of you, that you supply the grace. We don't even have to ask for it. It's already there because we have so much in Christ. The knowledge that is given to us in the word. Thank you for what we have. Lord, help us to grow in that knowledge as the people in Colossae did. I pray in Christ's name, amen.